our, our study on the life of Elijah. So I want you, if you would, to open your Bibles to 1 Kings 19. There are a few thoughts and I'm a, that God's given me for this, this message tonight. And let's just pick up reading. As many times as we've read it, we should probably have it memorized by now. Uh, 1 Kings 19, start reading with me in verse 15. So th this, is, uh, this is Elijah who had fled from Jezebel and went 40 days and nights to Mount Horeb. We know that. That's where he is. God spoke to him at last by a still small voice, and God is restoring him to himself. And God is also recommissioning him. So I just want us to look at this real quickly. The Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. Now, that's, that's Syria, of course. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Abel Meloha, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. So there's three specific things that he's called to do involving the lives of three other people, king of Syria, a king of uh, Israel, the, son, uh, the, the Sumerian part of Israel, and then someone to be prophet in his stead or in his place, okay? Uh, the only one that continues forever is the Lord, amen? But other men come and they serve God and then he calls them home. And he was about to call Elijah home. And it shall come to pass, verse 17, that he that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Now, again, Elisha didn't actually go out slaying people like a military man, but uh, God used him in a different way. But remember, we have to remind ourselves of the state of the, the country, the nation at this time. They are God's people. He made an everlasting covenant with them. And they have totally given themselves over to idolatry and the worship of Baal and the groves. And God is desiring to turn their hearts back to him. And he used, he's used this man, Elisha, and Elijah, uh, in part to do that. But he's not finished. Because Ahab is so wicked, and, and actually in the next study, next week's study, we're going to look at some of the, the wickedness. If it wasn't enough for for uh, Ahab to kill all the prophets of the Lord, all he could get his hands on, and, and to set up uh, the groves and the, and the altars to Baal and destroy all the, Baals, the, the altars of Jehovah, and then to build a temple to Baal. If that wasn't enough, we're going to see just some personal, uh, almost just personal wickedness in his life next week. And so the reason that God is sending Elijah to anoint these two kings specifically as Syria as a nation was going to come against Israel and, and defeat them in many ways, like win battles against them and try to humble them, okay? And then um, Jehu, who was going to be, become king, was going to execute judgment specifically on the house of Ahab, like him and his, boy, his children, you know, his descendants, everybody that was of his house, and, and not one was going to be left, okay? God does not, sometimes we'll look at things and we say, so-and-so is just getting away with it. They're getting away with it. 
Can I tell you, not one person's getting away with one thing, not one sin. It's either going to be under the blood of Jesus or it's going to be dealt with. You know, it's either washed away and forgiven because we've repented and turned to the Lord, or it's going to be dealt with, if not so much in this life and in the next. It will be dealt with. Nobody's getting away with anything, okay? It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance, and Ahab doesn't repent. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be judged in this life. It's not going to be his descendants, you know, that continue to sit on the throne and so forth. So I just want to uh, touch on this for, for a minute. Just actually the, the, uh, how God can use different types of people. So that's a strange thing to talk about in the life of Elijah. Elijah was one type of man. John the Baptist came in that fashion. So we know more, maybe in, in a sense, uh, more scriptures possibly written about John the Baptist, that he was a throwback to the, almost the old school prophets. He came in, in the likeness of Elijah and the spirit of Elijah, the faith, the boldness to stand. I always picture Eli here's Elijah and there's everybody else. Okay, Elijah and the Lord and everybody else. Now there were 7,000 that didn't bow their knee to Baal neither kiss him, okay? Then I would consider them true and obviously the Lord does followers of the Lord, but they were not standing up, honestly they weren't standing up with boldness the way they should have. But nevertheless, you, I picture Elijah being that very bold, you know, you want to be on his side. You know what I'm saying? I want to be on Elijah's side. I want to be over here with him. Elisha came. He was a lot more gentle, I guess you would say. He did, he did all kinds of miracles that the Lord used him to do. I've never counted, but it's recorded that he did twice the number of miracles, at least that are recorded in scriptures, that Elijah did. So there are different types of people. And what I want to talk about for just a moment is even these two kings, who you'd have to read through like Kings and Chronicles to really get the details of their lives. And it's there, okay? Uh, I know the college and career uh, Bible study has been going through these books of the Bible, and it's been wonderful uh, to, to learn uh, so much of this history, but not only history, but how God dealt with people on this earth and deals with people. But anyway, these two kings, the king of Syria and then Jehu, nothing, they weren't godly people, Okay, and yet God says anoint him and anoint him to be king. He has a specific purpose in mind. God always has a specific plan he wants to fulfill. And I want to talk about it for just a moment. The, the, way, that, the way that God can use different types of people, certainly want to be, we want a people that be a people and individuals that know God and walk with God. Okay, like Elijah, Elisha, John the Baptist, and so on. But God can use anybody he wants to. And so we need to remember that, that God may be uh, using, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of examples in the Bible. I think of the Lord using uh, Nebuchadnezzar, okay? There was nothing about him. You know, it, it, appears, that he re it appears that he came to a knowledge of the Lord at some point in there, okay, with the different miracles that took place with Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. But nevertheless, there was nothing godly about him in his life, and yet the Lord used him like a hammer. Like you'd pick up a hammer and say, I'm going to use this tool. 
Same for Pharaoh. He used Pharaoh uh, to, to set up this conflict, this like battle royale between Jehovah and the gods of Egypt. He used Pharaoh in that. Okay, didn't excuse his sin. That's what, something we'll talk about as well. But God can use anybody he wants to use. Joseph's brothers, for example. Okay, Joseph's brothers. I'm talking about Old Testament Joseph, right? They were the patriarchs, and it was, they were Jacob's sons. And what did they do to Joseph? They sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. But all of that was God's plan. All of that was the Lord's plan. Does it excuse the boys for their wickedness, for selling their own brother? No, and nowhere does the Scripture even hint to that. So be careful when we say that. An individual person can be used by God like a Jehu, okay, like Hazael to be king of Syria, and still not themselves be right with God. But he can use them as he wants to, all right? He can use who he wants to and how he wants to use them. And so I want to I look at this. And so the same would be in the body of Christ. I want to say this again. In no, no way does it excuse their sin. Okay, well, Jehu did the will of God in executing God's judgment on Ahab's house. Later in the Bible, you know, if we were to keep studying, we would come to that actual event where Jehu was used to bring uh, destruction to the house of Ahab. Nowhere does, it, does God turn around and say, because you did that, you're coming to heaven. Or you d- still, a man still has to be, believe in the Lord. In the Old Testament, justified like Abraham by faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In the New Testament, we believe God and his finished work through Jesus Christ on the cross is counted unto us for righteousness. So, Keep that in mind, that the Lord doesn't, uh, doesn't let Pharaoh off the hook because he was used for a specific purpose in God's overall plan. God doesn't let Nebuchadnezzar off because he was used to bring the, the Babylonian captivity to Israel, which God had prophesied about all those years and said, if you don't repent, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And they didn't repent. And he used people like Jeremiah to, to warn them, and they didn't heed the warning. And so he uses this fierce, ferocious Babylonian army, the Chaldeans, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, to destroy the temple, carry away people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel to Babylon. And so God can fulfill his purposes even through people that aren't uh, believers, that aren't followers of the Lord. To me, that just shows the greatness of God, okay? We're not, we're not teaching election. We're not talking about personal salvation. Individuals still have to believe God, and they can believe God. Like I said, apparently, uh, I can't go beyond what the Scriptures say, but apparently Nebuchadnezzar later in life did come to an acknowledgement. I mean, some of the things he says in Scriptures, it makes you think this man became a follower of Jehovah, okay? But he was still used to fulfill God's plan. So God can use whoever he wants. Now let's look just a moment uh, at the church. Within, within the body of Christ, God can use people. 
He can use people of different talents and ages and abilities and backgrounds. And he makes one body out of all. And that's important. Everybody's not a carbon copy of one another. We're all to be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, any race or age or sex or whatever we are, we're all being conformed to the image of Christ. That's moral character, Christ-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit, like we talked about in Sunday school this past Sunday. Uh, all that is the same. In other words, love, love, uh, love, joy, peace in you is not going to look different than love, joy, peace in me. Okay, it's, it's the real love of God is the working of the Holy Spirit. But God can use us. We have different personalities. And so I want you to turn, uh, I want you to keep your spot there, but turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're ever studying um, the gifts of the Spirit and the body and how the body functions together and how the church service is to be and the, the, what is church life to be like, it is a little different than just your personal life at home, okay? There's, there's an organization to it by the Spirit, okay? Not by man, but by the Holy Ghost. So let's just read a couple of things. We're going to skip around, but look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the, he lists gifts of the Spirit. There are diversities of gift, but the same Spirit in verse 4. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So within the body of Christ, you might think this is a strange study for a life on Elijah, but I want to take the opportunity uh, to talk about how God can use people. God can use people like Jehu and Ahaz, who I would say are outside of the body, so to speak. And he can use people like Elisha, whose personality was totally different than Elijah's. And, and it's not one that's greater than the other. They're being used by the Lord. They're in the will of God. Okay? And so skip down at 1 Corinthians 12. Skip down to verse 11 and 12. But all these, he lists the gifts of the spirits, prophecies and tongues and interpretation of tongues and so forth. All these worketh that one of the selfsame spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, dividing to every man severally as who will, as the Lord will. That's very important. God uses who he wants to use, how he wants to use. He gifts people the way he des desires to gift people. And we might think if, if I was the Lord, I would have given this gift to them, and I would have given this gift to them, and I would have promoted this person here, and I, we, well, we're not the Lord. It's not for us. We need to be sensitive to the Lord. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, bring, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. All right, skip down to uh, verses, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, is it as it has pleased him. Okay, so I just wanted to... To touch on that for a minute, Jehu was totally like a wild man. He was different than, than others, but God used him to execute the judgment on Ahab's house, and he did it. 
Okay, he did it. But he had all kinds of other problems in his life that should have been set right with the Lord, which were not, and could have been set right with the Lord, but weren't. Their sin is not diminished. Their sin is not condoned. Their sin is not excused. Again, God doesn't let them off the hook. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar or Pharaoh off the hook. You know, even think about the Jews. Jesus, Jesus, his plan was to go to the cross. The Jews aren't let off the hook because they condemned him to die on the cross and desired a murderer to be released instead of Jesus. They're not let off the hook. They said his blood be upon us and our children, and it has been, okay? Uh, Pilate's not let off the hook. Caesar is not let off the hook. Roman Empire is not let off the hook because it was God's determination that at that time and under that government, he should be crucified because they had that means of execution at that time. Nobody's excused for that, all right? So keep that in mind, eternally, morally, spiritually, People are, may every man, every man's still accountable for their sins, but you could say, well, Pilate was actually used for a purpose, wasn't he? You know, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He had to be there, so to speak. Uh, Judas served a purpose, and yet he's not excused for his sin. All right, God in his sovereignty, that is where a little mystery of sovereignty comes in with the Lord, that I'll just leave that to God, you know. Judas was prophesied about that he would do that, and yet he's held accountable for doing his betrayal of the Lord. Peter betrayed the Lord three times the night he was arrested and yet repented. Okay? Judas did not repent. He was remorseful and went and killed himself. Both are responsible. Okay? Both served a purpose and both denied the Lord. Okay? But y'all understand the point. Again, Joseph's brothers, were they excused for their sin? Did God say, I don't hold you accountable for that? Because really, see, Joseph saw it. Joseph knew the Lord. He didn't understand what was happening at the time when his brothers were selling him. They, they were cold-hearted. They were sinful. They were selfish. They sat down and ate a sandwich after they threw him in the pit. I mean, they were not bothered by him at all, by, by his condition. They didn't care. They just were rid of him. Our dad loves him the best. We hate him. We're jealous of him. They cast him in a pit, and they said, well, let's not kill him. At least if we sell him to these uh, slave traders, at least we'll get a little money out of the deal. And so they do that. Nothing on their part is godly, okay? And yet, God used that as the means to get Joseph into Egypt, ultimately to be the prime minister of Egypt, because a famine was coming. So God knew about the famine. He allowed it to happen. And what did it do? It caused, uh, Joseph said later when he finally, all those years later when he revealed himself to his brothers and they thought for sure he's dead. They didn't recognize this prime minister of Egypt, right? You know the story. And he's in this powerful position and people live and die at his, at his word. And he could have killed his brothers and he did not. And later, you know, he, he weeps and, and they're reconciled and so forth. But he says, you thought, don't weep and don't be afraid. Because they thought when Jacob died, now he's going to get his revenge on us. Joseph, you know, he, Joseph's just being nice to us because daddy's still alive. But when daddy dies, he's going to let us have it. Well, daddy died. And 
Joseph didn't let him have it because he was not like they were. He was a man of God, and he had forgiven them. And he even told them, he says, don't, don't be mad at yourselves for this, basically. Whatever it's sin, they had to deal with God about that. He had, he had forgiven them. That's the way we're to be. But he says, you thought, in your thoughts, you, you thought to do evil. No doubt about it. You had nothing but evil intentions and plans, and you carried them out. But God meant it for good. God meant it to preserve life. Because 70 souls in all traveled as Jacob's whole clan to Egypt, where they would have died where they were, and they didn't die in Egypt because there was food in Egypt. Because God had raised up Joseph and had this master plan that nobody would have thought of but the Lord to, to preserve his people, Israel, during the famine. And so that's when you just say, how great is our God? I mean, to me, it's just amazing. The forethought, the foreknowledge of God. Certainly, I believe in election. I don't believe in election as far as the Calvinistic doctrine of God says you're going to heaven and you're going to hell and you have no choice. I don't believe that at all. I believe in election in the sense of God ordains Israel, for example. He has set his love upon Israel. And no matter how they've rejected the Lord countless times in times past, he still has an eternal covenant with them. He's not going to break. He's going to keep it. Read, read Revelation 19. He's coming back and he's setting up his throne. He's the son of David on in Jerusalem. He's not done with them. You understand, I believe in election for angels, you know, election uh, for, for maybe a nation or a God elected for this purpose, this to happen, even for an individual to, to do a certain thing. But as far as it comes to heaven and hell and a man choosing Christ or rejecting Christ or an Old Testament saint, you know, an Old Testament person rejecting the Lord or accepting the Lord by faith, I don't read that in Scripture, and I don't believe that teaching or that doctrine, okay? So ha having said that, there was a man, remember when, when uh, David's son Absalom stole the throne? It was for a brief time, but he did steal his own daddy's throne. David was still the king, and the rightful king, and the one that God had there, and God wanted there, and Absalom because he's grown bitter over, I forgot how many years it was, grew bitter, and then he came back, and, and it says he stole the hearts of the people. He would have been a great politician. He was standing at the gates, and any man that came in and out of town had a controversy. He would say, oh, what a man you are. And he would say, uh, uh, you, you, let me, tell me what you're, what you're coming to see the king about. Well, I've you know, there's land dispute that's going on over here, or water rights, or whatever. Oh, you have a great cause. You have a great, uh, a just cause. But my father hasn't appointed anybody to, to oversee this kind of business. If I were king, I would take care of you. And he would kiss him. And he would, and he says, over a couple of years, he stole the hearts of the people. And, and anyway, he had this rebellion against his own dad. And because God is faithful, he sent people to warn David about it and said the conspiracy is strong. So long story short, David says, if he's determined to take the kingdom, we need to get out. We need to get out now, right now. And so he, he and those that were loyal to him crossed over the Jordan River. And what does he say? 
if God, if I find favor with the Lord and he's pleased with me, he'll bring me back one day and I'll be on the throne in Jerusalem. What a way to go. He's the man of God. He's the man after God's own heart. And he's the one that God has chosen. And he just puts himself in God's hands and says, if the Lord is pleased, one day he'll bring me back there. So they cross over Jordan. And you know about this man named Shimei? You heard of Shimei? So Shimei, while they're obviously walking like on a low spot, like a trail, in it, and there must be a cliff beside it. And Shimei is walking along while David and his loyal followers are going with him. It's a sad day. It's a, it's a sad day. He's leaving the kingdom. He's leaving the throne. He's not sure his own son has rebelled against him. He, he's not sure if he's going to go back at that point. So he's leaving, and it's, it's sort of just sobering and sad. All right? They're leaving Jerusalem, and Shimei is going along the ridge, with David and his men down here throwing rocks at him, just, what, what's the phrase, you know, just, just making it worse, right? Rubbing salt in the wound, so to speak. He's just throwing dust on him and throwing rocks at him and cursing David as he went, cursing him out. So one of David's men says, you want me to go take this guy's head off for you? He says, no. I want to read what he said. He says, the Lord had sent said unto him, curse David. So he's cursing David. What a way to go through life. You know what I mean? God must have told him, curse David. He said, my own son rebelled against me and took the throne. What's the big deal if this guy's cursing at me and throwing rocks at me? Now, it doesn't excuse Shimei. You understand that? He's going to be, when David does come back into power, God's going to deal with Shimei. And God deals with Absalom in the battle, and he, he dies. The Lord knows how to deal with his people, but, but you understand the point. Uh, the cup that the Lord's given me to drink, Jesus said, shall I not drink of it? The cup that he's given me, shall I not drink of it? God's given the cup. If he's my God and my Savior, there's no better place to be than right in the hand of God. David was still in the hand of God. Absalom was not, so to speak. When he's leaving Jerusalem, God's with him. God's taking care of him. A man's cursing him and throwing rocks at him. He says, it's okay. God sent him to curse me. God will take care of him later. God will deal with him. This must be what the Lord's determined and what I need right now. You know what I'm saying? And so we go through life, and there's... There's things that happen. This was the whole point and the thought for tonight about how God can use anybody. God did use Shimei for a purpose. Maybe it, it was used to, to bring greater humility to David, greater restraint, self-control, humility, right? And so he allows it to happen, and yet he doesn't excuse Shimei for his sin. He'll deal with him. You know, we're all going, we're, we're living in a day and age where uh, there's so much wickedness in high places and we're living in, you know, city, state, nation where things are corrupt and you're like, how is this person in position of power? It's like taking the lowest of the low and putting them up above people to rule people. What in the world's going on? And yet, and yet God has allowed it. We have to say he's allowed it. 
Now, our, our prayers still need to be right. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray for godly leadership. Believe me, we need to pray that. And I, you know, God, by His grace, may allow us to see a great revival. But the point is that we can't, we can't try to, uh, to just despise it and hate it. This is where we are right now. We need to live for God and we need to trust God. We need to allow those things uh, to make us more like Jesus. I'll sim- simply say that. To teach us patience. To avail ourselves to the grace of God when we're being oppressed at work, being oppressed in our, by our government, uh, by society, whatever. Allow those things to make us more like Jesus Christ. Corey Tim Boom in, in the not in the Jews, tration camp, was not a Jew, but thrown in the prison because she was a Christian helping the Jews. And she was thrown in a concentration camp right along with all the other Jews who were being killed and starved to death and so forth. And she said, these are workings of God that he's doing. He's allowing it. The Lord has allowed this. He's allowing it. And she, it was used in her life to, to grow her, to strengthen her faith, to mold her character and so forth. Um, Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Anything, here's something that's important to realize, like Shimei or anybody. Not, if God is that big to control all of these things, and he is, okay? So the if is, he is that big. There's nothing that can come into your life that he didn't have to pass through him first. There's nothing, not a sickness, not an ache and a pain, not a financial struggle. Uh, I'm not talking about you going out and living in sin and you're reaping what you sow. I'm not talking about that. That's different. I go out and, and I'm out of the will of God and I've taken myself out of the, the hands of God, so to speak, and I'm doing what I want to do and sowing wild oats and sinning and I'm reaping what I sow and the consequences of that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about David on his throne and his son rebels against him. I'm talking about uh, Joseph, who God gives him these dreams about how he's going to use him in such a great way, and his brothers hate him and throw him in a pit and sell him. Um, you understand what I'm saying? You're, you're not perfect, but you're in the will of God, and you're walking with the Lord. Everything that touches you has to pass through his hands first. This is when we really start, like Corey Tim Boom. I, I can't imagine that. That had to be the Lord. That had to be the Lord. To live that way. To trust God that way. If you've never read her story, read it. Okay? Read it. And and coming out of there not being bitter, not wanting to kill every German that she ever saw. It's an amazing thing. Who but God, right? But it had to pass through the Lord before it got to her. And it's just the same for all of us. Amen? The same for all of us. It's like that's God's messenger sent to buffet me. God's allowed the, the physical thorn in the flesh of Paul to buffet him. And it's from Satan, but it couldn't have touched Paul had not the Lord allowed Satan to buffet Paul with some physical thorn in his flesh, some weakness, some ailment, whatever it was. And it was used, what, for a godly purpose. Paul, I've given you abundant revelations that no man's really seen but you. And to keep you humble, 
I'm going to send this thorn in your flesh to keep you humble. Because being humble is more important than being well. You understand what I'm saying? Being humble is more, more important than feeling great every day. Uh, and Paul says, thank you, God. He saw it. So there's the working of God and the man of God that sees this is God working. This is God allowing it. Every attack of Satan is not something that we're to embrace. We're to resist the devil when he's trying to get us to sin, trying to get us to fall and stumble and not disbelieve God and walk away from the Lord. I'm just saying that there, there's the things that touch our lives are things that if we're in the will of God, that God allows. And he's allowing it for a reason. He didn't all of a sudden turn mean. So he's allowing it for a reason, a greater purpose than what we may see. But I believe if we'll turn to him, he'll show us. He'll show us what it is. He doesn't just leave us in the dark forever about it. Okay. Joseph said, God sent me here to preserve life. So he saw it, right? He knew. You sold me as a slave. Don't, don't be mad at yourselves. You thought evil, but God had this plan, and this is how it was fulfilled. It's a wonderful way to be. I'm going to read a scripture. You can turn if you want to. We all know it. But I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Verse 28. You could quote it, but we're going to read it together. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Two things. He said, we know it. Well, we sure hope that this is the case. No, he says, we know it. All right. That's a spiritual knowing. Second of all, is that all things work together. I don't know. You've heard it so many times before, but not some things. Well, I can see how God could use this, but I can't see how God could use Shimei cursing at David. No, all things work. God sent him, said unto him, go curse David. So he's cursing David. He works all things together for good according you know, to his plan and his purposes. There, there again, that's where I do believe in the sovereignty of God, so to speak. Um, that, that type of working. So... Uh, nobody, getting back to Elijah, and we'll, we'll try to bring this to a close. Nobody is going to escape God's dealings. If you're, if you're in the will of God, he's going to have dealings with your life. Okay? You're going to go through things that are unpleasant. You, you show me any man or woman of God that has not been dealt with by the Lord. Severely dealt with. The more he loves us, the more he chastens us. It's, it's, an, it's an expression of his love that we might be partakers of his holiness. Okay? So he has a purpose in it. Nobody's going to escape the dealing of the Lord. Ahab thought he was above the law because he was king. God dealt with him. We're not doing a study on Ahab, but Jehu's going to be used to deal with him. All right? Um, Elijah as wonderful a man of God as he was. And again, he's one of my heroes. He, he had a moment of weakness where he was afraid and fled. It wasn't, it wasn't that God was calling him out there. He went on his own in fear. Okay, and we've talked all about that. But God dealt with him. 
he dealt with them. He met with them out on Mount Horeb and dealt with them. Nobody is going to escape the dealings of the Lord. You know what I mean by dealing, where he's dealing with your heart, dealing with something in your life. None of us are nearly as holy and far along in this as we think we are. None of us. Okay? So what does he do? He's the potter, and we're the clay. And if that was a piece of clay was living, it would hurt, I would think, to be pressed on. He's got to press with his thumbs really hard right here to get this certain shape on the potter's wheel. Got a big lump right here, and I got to really work on it. Like when you go to the chiropractor, and you got to tight back, and he's got to dig in there with his thumb or his elbow. And that's the dealings of God spiritually in our lives, but he's doing it out of love. He's not snickering and saying, let's see how much pain I can put him through. He's dealing with us in love, and he never is going to press harder than is needed. This financial strain is the worst one I've ever been in. It seems like it's gone a little too far, Lord, and yet it hasn't gone too far if you're in the will of God. And you're, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. It's just where he wants you, and it may go further. Okay? I've been through things like this. Like, well, I cannot take one more day of this. I'd rather go to India and die on the mission field. I can't take another day of this. And the Lord says, you're going to take another day of that. In fact, you're going to take another year of that. And you're going to take, he's done that. He does that. Okay? And what do we learn? God is good. His grace is sufficient. Lord, I didn't think I could make one more day, and you brought me through five more years of that. It's amazing. Thank you, God. You know, and, and keep your integrity and keep your walk with God and keep your testimony for the Lord. I thought I didn't think I could do that. Well, it had to be the Lord, right? All glory to God, the, the Lord, to bring us through so many things like that. But nobody will escape his dealings. And another thing, just as we bring it to a close, uh, don't compare yourself to someone else. You know, we look around and we say, they're a Christian and I'm a Christian. And their life seems picture perfect. They got lots of money. They got lots of health. They've got, seems to me, like not a problem in the world. And I'm trying to be very faithful to God. And I'm going through this and this and this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hath not the potter power over the clay to fashion and form it how he wants to? Well, there's only one answer to that. Yes. You're, you're the potter. You have power. And the, every absolute right with no rival in there, you have every right to deal with me the way you want to. And I'm not to compare myself to a Christian of another age or a Christian in another country or a Christian in this church sitting next to you. It's God's dealing with our lives. And he loves you. And he's making you more like Jesus. This is how he's chosen it for you, to be for you. This is how he's chosen it to be for me. This is how he's chosen it to be for the person sitting next to you. But all of us are, keep, are to keep our eyes on Jesus and trust the Lord. All of us are to believe in our heart of hearts, Romans 28, 28. We know that he works all things together for good 
to those that love the Lord and those that are the called according to his purpose. Well, Lord, they're, they're sitting by me in church, and I know some sins in their life, and they just seem to be more and more blessed. You think God's not going to deal with them about their sins? You think God's not already maybe dealing with them about their sins? He doesn't have to tell you about it or me about it. Trust God. Trust God to be God. Amen. It's unwise. So I want to close with this. Uh, Turn in to John. Gospel of John. We didn't talk a whole lot about Elijah tonight, but I think we talked about what God wanted us to talk about tonight. We all know this passage, but I think it's a great place to to read tonight. John, I'm sorry, John chapter 21. Pick up in verse 18. So the Lord's just asked, do you love me, Simon? Do you love me? Three times. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Well, feed my lambs, okay? Verily I say unto you, verse 18, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest, wouldest. Now, just let this sink in for a minute. He's telling him, I imagine Peter was still a fairly young man at this time, okay? And he still has got much more life ahead of him to serve the Lord. But he goes, when you were young, you dressed yourself, you went wherever you wanted to. When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Wow, this is later in life when he's going to be closer to the Lord and have served God more and yet God's saying later in your life, this is how it's going to be. Well, what's he talking about? Verse 19, this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. Peter was martyred for the Lord. Peter was crucified for the Lord. And historically, it said that he, he was crucified upside down, not feeling worthy to be crucified right side up like his Savior. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. That's it right there, isn't it? I'm talking to you, Peter. You look at me in the eyeballs, okay? Here's what it's going to be like for you. He's already promised to let, never leave us nor forsake us. And he didn't, and he doesn't. But he says, now follow me, Peter. That's it, just me and Jesus. Peter and Jesus. Follow me. And Peter, turning about, said, See at the disciple, John, whom Jesus loved following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that... All right, let's skip down. What shall this man do? In verse 21, Peter sees John and he says, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow me. We're closing with that tonight. D, you can come. Because that, all the dealings of God... He's not obliged, nor is he promised in his word that he's going to do exactly in Katie's life what he's doing in, you know, Chris's life. He, he's making us all like Jesus. And we need to be thankful that he is doing that. We need to have faith in our God and his character and nature. He can't be other than himself. The psalmist said he's good and he does good, Right? So his dealings with you and me are in love and in mercy. And far our sins, he punishes less than we deserve. 
So just let's just keep our eyes upon the Lord. And the altars are open now. Dee's going to begin to, to play. But y'all just, I just pray tonight you come just for a few minutes. Thank God for his dealings in your life. He's promised you he's dealing with in his wisdom, but he's dealing with you, your life in love. He's also dealing with your life and my life with a specific end in mind. We don't see it all now. We just see this just this hurts God. You're pressing too hard with your thumbs right there and too long. And that's all we see. But God says, this is for your good, my child, right? This is for your good. It's necessary that I do this. And we call on, well, Lord, if it's necessary and if you're going to do this, please give me your strength. And what does he do? He gives more grace. He, he pours out his love. He pours out his spirit. Somehow, we're able to endure it. And we're to endure it by faith. And we're to able to endure it even rejoicing in the Lord. Because God came alongside in the strength of the comforter, comforting us through that. Amen. And helping us to see what the Lord's doing more clearly. And then we thank God. Paul, when, when he saw the reason for the thorn of his in his flesh, he thanked God. He says, I'm going to glory in this. Right? Father, we just come before you.